Shut up and sit down. Hey guys, how's it going? This is Beer Today, Beer Tomorrow. Very excited to be at the Brewers Collective on 1460 North Clinton Avenue in Bayshore, New York. I have two very special guests on the show. Guys, please introduce yourselves. Hey guys, this is Sarah. And Tim. Sarah and Tim, guys, thank you so much for letting us be here. Thank you so much for opening your doors for Beer Today, uh, Beer Tomorrow. So let's, let's, let's hop right into it. When did you guys first um, start to get involved with brewing? All right. Um, so I guess we'll need to go back to 2007 to kind of start the story off. We started as home brewers. Uh, we um, had just a, a, a group of, of individuals. That a few of them of us worked together, and we all had a you know just a love of homebrew. And um, we were, uh, you know, inspired by one of our founding members, Joe. He used to make this fantastic pumpkin beer, and uh, he would bottle it. And around you know the proper time, he'd be you know selling a little bit here and there, and you know, we started up the discussion and, and really piqued a few of our interests. So we would get together and, and brew together, talk about homebrew, um, and just started getting super into it, like around, right around 2007. Uh, we did it for a while, just, you know, very loose and relaxed. We weren't ever part of any kind of homebrew club or anything like that. Mm. But we did have enough people together that we sort of formed our own club um and the brewers collective in name was sort of just born from you know the guys just getting together and constantly talking about homebrew at work and they're right. like you guys are like a collective yeah you know we're the brewers collective so uh right around 2007 2008 uh when we got a little bit more into it we uh actually signed up with the american homebrew association so we became like a legit club and we started doing these kind of quarterly brew competitions we would all pick a style you know depending on the mm. season and we'd each of us there was about like nine or ten of us at the time we'd each brew our own you know take on that style and we'd do like a blind taste test we'd invite friends we'd all try the beer and the beer got better and better and we started getting more and more people at these events that we would do sure. and um so eventually uh we started you know once we were registered, like we would go to like big, you know, uh, National Homebrew Day. Like Blue Point used to host a, a big brew day, so we would go there, and we actually became, you know, friendly with some of the staff there. So, you know, all these fantastic beer festivals started to pop up, and you know, we had the idea of, you know, what if we were to pour at one of these festivals because the other homebrew clubs on the island would pour at them. So we asked one of the brewers at Blue Point if we could participate in the Cascales Festival, mm -hmm. which is one of the, was one of our very, very favorite uh, festivals. And they said, yes, we could. And uh, so we, we put together like three casks. I think one of them might have blown up. <laughs> but uh, we, we, brought, uh, we brought two of them over. And uh, the festival was amazing. People just went crazy for the beer. They... We were so inspired, and it's just this incredible feeling of, you know, something that you're passionate about, and it's, you know, it's shining through, and people are really responding to it, and that sort of gave us an itch, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, it deepened our, our, our passion and love for home brewing, and then we started to explore the idea of maybe doing this on a professional level, you know, we had really gotten some great feedback, I mean, one thing is your friends and your family tell you your beer is great because they right. love you and they want to <laughs> tell you that, but it's <laughs> quite something else to, you know, put it out there for the public and to have the public respond in a really positive way, so in 2012, we actually decided to incorporate and become, you know, the Brewers Collective Incorporated, and we began to explore options of how we might go about producing commercially. Um, at first, we were 
were interviewing with um, a few local breweries to see about contract brewing because at the time, um, you know, brick and mortar was sort of out of the question. It was, you know, it's kind of prohibitively expensive on Long Island, sure, expensive. you know, and especially if you don't know how things are going to go and you haven't really tested that market on, on a commercial level, it's, it's hard to kind of make that jump. You know, we're... You know, we're a true collective. You know, there's there's uh, there's six of us now, and it was important to us to be able to produce the product ourselves and to you know make it happen very grassroots and stuff. We weren't really interested in doing investors or having bank loans or anything mm -hmm. like that. We wanted it to be really organic. Uh, so after talking to a few of the breweries, you know, we decided we really didn't want a contract brew. We loved to brew so much that we didn't really want someone else to do it for us. I mean, it's certainly a means to an end, and it is a a, a more financially um, doable way to, to get beer out there when you're first getting started. But as luck would have it for us, uh, in Farmingdale, there was a guy out of a Taste of Long uh, it was a commercial kitchen called A Taste of Long Island, and he was a commercial kitchen, and he wanted to you know, retrofit the commercial kitchen to, to be a brewery. So he was looking for a couple of startup breweries that would go in and, and help to do the construction and, and oh, to wow. turn everything on, yeah. And it was a really unique opportunity, and we jumped on it right away. So it was us together with both what is now Pool Boy Brewery and 1940s Brewery. We spent about a year um, while we were getting our licensing in check to retrofit this this brewery and it, it turned it into a three barrel brew house and it was technically an alternating proprietorship so you know the owners were a taste of long island and then you could rent brewing shifts from them so they owned all like the, the all the equipment for the actual brew but everything you know after the boil was equipment that you own so every, all that we bought all our fermenters and and our bright tank and all that and kegs everything and all that kegs stuff. and everything yeah so what that allowed us to do was to brew the beer ourselves and then we could sell wholesale they did have a tasting room there but you and you could supply kegs to that but that was more for for the business, so we did most mostly wholesale accounts. So we had bars and restaurants all throughout Long Island, and this was in about 2015 that we ended up um, launching commercially. We had like a big launch at the Nutty Irishman in, in <laughs> Farmingdale, and it was very fun. And then that went on for about about a about a good year, solid year of that. And you know, we got a great response from from all the restaurants and stuff. We, you know, we couldn't keep keep the beer. You know, couldn't make it fast enough. So that's great. Yeah, so it was extremely inspiring. And then we decided that, you know, I think it's it's time. I think we'll be all right. So we signed the lease here at our space, our current space here in Bayshore. Um, uh, you know, September of, uh, oh gosh, to September of 2016, right? 15, I was 2015, that's right. Yeah, yeah 15, 2015. <laughs> yeah. It took us like a year and a half to get this tasting room open. It sure did. Oh, yeah. Wow. So we're in Bayshore, so, you know, we're in the town of Islip, so it, there's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of government you have to sure. kind of get everything going on. So, and it took, we were in construction for, you know, the better part of 20 months or so, and we yeah. started doing our soft open uh, around February, March of 2017, and then we had our, our grand opening uh, April April 15th. And uh, yeah, we're rocking wow. and rolling now. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. I mean, so wh what did what do you what did you find the most kind of challenging? Was it all the paperwork, just getting that all together to get the town to approve it? Yeah, uh, the yeah. town the town was interesting. Um, you have to go through all these all these steps that you're not, you know, never having started a business before. You go through these steps of, of we don't have to rezone, which is nice. But then, you know, board of appeals, and we we won that. We had a challenger at the board of appeals who, who like objected to us. It was oh, crazy. Wow. And you win that, and you're like, oh, great, we're out of the woods. And that's just the fucking beginning. Like, you have all this <laughs> other stuff to get through. Um, it, yeah, the, the, just, just to open this tasting room, the biggest thing was we needed a bathroom, and they had to cut the floor. And it just takes time, time, time and money. And, and without 
investors and or or you know a Kickstarter or a bank loan. Right. It's all out of your pocket, so it takes time. It's 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 just construction and regulation and just not having you know the capital that other people are have access to, which right. uh, you know I think slow and low is better though in my opinion. <laughs> well, I mean, you guys have this great space now. You guys are making great beer. Obviously, this has to be extremely rewarding. Oh, it is. Yeah. It definitely is. Yeah, it's a dream come true. This was all we ever wanted was to have a place where people could come and experience our beer like just the way we intended it you know i mean even when you're selling at a wholesale level still you don't know how long the keg is sitting you don't know how clean the lines are at a place like when we have our tasting room here like we just you know we're we're proud of the beer that comes out of our taps here you know and that's right we had we had, so. a, we had an account hold on to an ipa for like for like eight months once eight months on an wow. ipa we're like what, what are you doing with it so you know it's, <laughs> you, get, you get a better experience when you have it right off of our taps Nice. And so now you guys in the tasting room, you, uh, you have about 12 tap lines. Is that correct? We do, yeah. We have right. 12 tap lines, two of which are nitro lines. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So I, I have to ask. So I love the logo. How, how, what was the inspiration behind, uh, behind the logo? <laughs> so like Sarah was saying before, a bunch of us in the, uh, the original group of homebrewers, we worked together at an IT company up in Colmac. Um, the, the, the sort of godfather of the, of the Brewers Collective is our friend Joe Vela, who was a home brewer for a long time, maybe 20 years or so. And like Sarah said, he would bring, he would brew this pumpkin beer. And this is before pumpkin beer was a thing. I know that's kind of cliche, but I swear it was. <laughs> and uh, I got to be honest, the reason I started home brewing, I got sick of, sick of paying a freaking premium for it because he would, he would buy it off of him. And he would, you know, it was decently, he was making a good buck off of it, right. selling it to us. I don't know if it's legal, so maybe we shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> but uh, uh, so... Joe's a, a real sort of left-leaning fellow, and uh, one of our old co-workers was a real conservative type. Conservative enough that he wrote a libertarian Tea Party book that's on sale. But really? Right now. Yeah, yeah, he's a nice guy. This guy, Russ. Um, so they would always have political banter back and forth, kind of friendly, you know, but right, right. jabbing at each other. So as we were starting homebrewing, that's the guy. He'd be like, what are you guys, communist or something? You're all sharing your ideas, your recipes, your equipment, which <laughs> we were. And Joe is like, yeah, you know what? We're a collective. We're the Brewers Collective. One of Joe's friends is a, a, a graphic designer, so he sort of threw the logo together uh, overnight. And we've had that almost since the very beginning is that logo. So it's sort of a tongue-in-cheek, um, but not really, uh, right. you know, uh, sort, of, sort of take on, uh, on, on, on uh, collectivization and, and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Right. So we are, but you know, then we hold true to We are actually a, a, a horizontally structured collective with no bosses. And we all sort of, with six people, it's pretty easy to make... Uh, direct, you know, direct workplace democracy sort of a real thing. And that's, that's sort of one of our uh, underlying all the beer and all the fun stuff we do here. There is that, which is a real, a real thing, real right. concrete foundation, you know? Absolutely. And it must be, it must be so rewarding just to be able to have this, this setup here where it is, you, you know, it's collectively owned. I mean, mm -hmm. ju just you guys kind of uh, really living out of passion, I would imagine. I mean, exactly this, this is, uh, this is great. And, and for the audience listening, we'll, we'll have uh, pictures and images of the logo up. Uh, and then obviously you guys can check it out on the website. We'll, we'll, what's the website again, by oh the way? Oh, yes. Yeah. So the website is it's www.thebrewerscollective.com. Excellent. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah. And the logo is it's so instead of the, um, the hammer and sickle, it's the beer bottle and sickle. Right. So bottle it's a very memorable logo. And, and oftentimes when people come to the tasting room, they'll say, you know, I know I've had your beer before. I couldn't remember your name, but I remembered your you logo. Remember the logo. <laughs> well, you know what? That, that's important. It is, it is a great logo. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. So, so now, when, when you guys are brewing your beers, obviously, you know, you're inspired by different flavors, different experiences. Um, you know, what, what are some of your experiences that fuel you to create the beers that you guys are making? Well, it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's for me at least, it's a combination of, like, what I'm into in my personal life, what I'm in, you know, a whole bunch of stuff, really. Uh, I'm an avid reader. 
uh, kind of off the beaten path. We, we, we do a lot of, we still do a lot of these herbal beers. Um, mm -hmm. They're at a, kind of out of season right now, but we do have one coming on soon. Um, stuff. Gruet, those are Gruet Ales. Yeah, Gruet Ales, Gruet Ales. Um, you know, we do it all. We do it from everything from, from herbal beers to, you know, the hot New England style IPAs that are very popular, right, which you're drinking right now. Which is quite tasty. Um, all kinds. Very, very just, just out there. I don't know. I'm kind of, we're kind of out there, so we brew stuff that's a little weird, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, we have, sure. you know, especially Tim, like he, as he said, he's an avid reader, so he has a great grasp of, like, the history of beer. So, I mean, that, you know, we... we, we we're very much into like the ancient styles of brewing and, you know, and modernizing and, and mod with a modernized touch, of course. But, you know, we're very big on brewing in season. We love to brew with adjuncts that are fresh, like mm -hmm. when, you know, just this uh, Long Island just celebrated strawberry season. So right. we made our strawberry wit beer, which is used with 60 pounds of, you know, local strawberries farmed from Corwith Farms out east. Oh, wow. And yeah, and the same thing with spruce season, uh, spruce tips. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that's our we have a shantytown spruce juice, which is uh, just a nice pale ale infused with spruce spruce tips so you're not getting like a you know pine solely type of thing it's very slight because it's all fresh you, know, all you pick season. it up everything's in season you sort of reject yeah. the notion of, of, of constant availability of things because it's you know beer, beer for the longest time was a very local industry before industrialization um, you know go dating all the way back to Bavaria mm -hmm. and the first real beer barons you know it's it's it, it, again this is opinion right but right, it's, sure. it's in my opinion it's, it's better when it's when it's small and available locally and it's in season and it's if, if possible brew with local ingredients um right. the spruce spruce tip beer shantytown spruce juice on tap up there again like sarah said was another one of the beers we brewed in season strawberry molly's brewed in season we're doing a peach a peach ipa soon that's going to be in season all, all local ingredients uh the herbal beers we use uh, uh herbs from southampton farms from our backyards stuff like that uh, the latest batch of loot which is a, a hibiscus lemon balm and sage ale uh has a bunch of sage and lemon balm from our garden you know, stuff like that. It's, oh, it's, wow. it's just cool. It's, it's what we like. It's, um, again, it's sort of a rejection of the constant availability and the seasonal creep of things like pumpkin beers and, and all these, these other sort of things that are going on. Yeah, I mean, we do, we, of course, you know, we, we're aware of trends and, you know, what people are drinking and stuff. So we usually like to have our own take on that, you know, but we don't let trends dictate what goes on the brew schedule. You know, it's very much since we all are home brewers and Brewer, I guess brewers now, um, you know, we just want to brew what we know that we like. And sure. what's important to us is when we brew something, of course, we always brew it on our test batch first, you know, just to make sure that it comes through right with the right notes. And we'll never put something on the board that doesn't taste good to us that we wouldn't drink all day ourselves. Yeah. You know? Right. It's because, I mean, and I mean, we haven't, we've been really fortunate. We have not had to dump a beer yet, you know, but we would. If, sure. if we didn't mm -hmm. meet our standards, or it would become, you know, the house beer that's, you know, we held one back and we just drank it at home instead. Bring it home for testing. It's a loss. Sure. <laughs> well, yeah. But no, yeah, it, I, I completely agree. I think, um, you know, and we, we, we speak about it often on the show, but I think craft beer is all about community and I think it's about mm -hmm. that accessibility. And I think, you know, those, those small batches, there's something almost kind of intimate about it when you come into these locations and, and you drink these these beers that are nest that you know you're not always going to have access to and it explores the whole uh flavor spectrum and i think it's great because you know even though i am I'm, I'm a big hophead i'm drinking uh your, your new england style ipa but and ipa has become kind of like a buzzword and and yeah. um but what i what i enjoy seeing is that kind of you see kind of it's, it's transitioning a little people kind of just associated craft beer and and ipas that's oh, yeah. what craft beer is but it's not. I mean, obviously, there, there's mm. so many other flavors and so many other spectrums. And it's great to see a lot of breweries now kind of opening that up. And, and, you know, people can come in. And, and there, I really believe there's a beer for every person. There may, oh, yes. You know, there not, might not Definitely. be a style. And, you know, you, certain styles you may not, you know, 
may lean away from, but but there is within the styles, within the variations, I think there's a beer for everybody, and I think uh, certainly it, it's great. Places like this, people come in and they they could expand their um, their their palate, so to speak. But um, so in, in in regards to the brewing process, is there is there a particular type of beer where like you guys kind of almost um, I don't want to say dread, but but do you, do you, is there a type of beer that that you kind of keeps you guys up at night where it's like ah this this one's kind of a challenge? Honestly, with our current system, IPAs are tough. We tried to use whole hops a lot. Uh, you know, you really can't with with these big IPAs. Uh, w- with our system, the way it is, we use our hop back. So IPAs add like another hour to the process, or maybe an hour and a half. Is a lot of uh, technical sort of workarounds we have to do. Um, plus, we're not really IPA brewers. We do them, and they're nice. And um, you know, we're starting to do more of them. But it's funny. Even in the beginning, a lot of people would come in and go, you know, where's your IPAs? We'd have maybe yep. one. You know, right now I think we have two um, out of the twelve. Um, but no, I mean, really, once, once we've gotten used to our, our, our setup here, none of it's really that bad. But working with IPAs and trying to stick to whole hop, which is kind of challenging, um, it, it's, it's a little more difficult. But, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's all good, though. It's all... Yeah, there's never really any dread. I mean, this is like, you know, we all, we all work. We all have full-time jobs. And this is our, you know, our passion project, mm-hmm. our side hustle, if you will. Yeah, right. Um, so it's, it, it's exciting. Like, when we... You know, I'll, I'll challenge the guys, like, you know, guys, I want to brew a Russian Imperial Stout or, like, I want to do a really big beer, something new. So it's not so much dread as it is, like, okay, let's put together something awesome. Yeah, it's exciting. Let's, yeah, very yeah, exciting. Definitely no dread. You know? and, we, and we definitely like to always push the envelope a little bit. You know, we never want to be, like, a boring brewery where it's like, yes, hey, here we have a brown ale mm-hmm. and here is our stout and here is our pale ale. Like, that's never what we want. We always want it to be, like, you know, that's unexpected. I didn't think I would see something like that here. So... Yeah, and you know, and it's great. And as the seasons change, and you know, we get very much inspired because we're, you know, we we just we love beer. We we're always trying new beer, and I'm, I love wine as well. And mm-hmm. and that's why, like, we tend to do a lot of the herbal beers as well because they're extremely. The Gruet Ale is extremely complex, and you can like we do a we do a summer seasonal, and we do a, a, a spring summer seasonal, we do a fall seasonal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually our witch binder, so we do uh, yeah, that's roasted. Uh, yeah, that's coming. Roasted Long Island cheese pumpkin. Um, so mm-hmm. it has a beautiful sweetness to it and a smoked sage and, yeah. and all that. And, and it's, it's funny, with specifically with our Gruet Ales, like we get a, like, sometimes we'll have a couple come in. And the husband is typically the beer drinker and the wife might be into wine. But we usually will give the wine drinkers the Gruet Ale and they're like, I, lo- I love this. You know, <laughs> it reminds me of a wine. I'm like, yes, because it has that nice complexity to it. Not that craft beer doesn't have complexity, but it's it's more of a... Um, it's a different experience. It's a different experience. And Very like, different. This is yeah. beer? This doesn't look like yeah. beer? This doesn't taste like beer? Well, it's like, ale, technically, it's, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, it, but it's, we've inspired them. We've, we've made, you know, some people that are now into craft beer as a result of beers that they've had here. And that's what it's all about. Like, that's really what gets me excited, you know, just to kind of spread that love and, and, and to create your own beer culture and to turn, you know, make new fans of craft beer because it's only getting better day by day. I mean, absolutely. It's unbelievable. Absolutely. I think there's still a lot of room for growth in, so in New much. York. You, you, yeah. you think, I think so. You know, it's such a big city. You know, you got New York, the whole, then the whole state obviously is big. Yeah. There's really not that many brewers compared to other cities. It's so it's true. true. Um, 100%. And I it's think there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of room for growth. And, and I, what I love about um, the, the beer scene is that unlike almost any other type of uh, you know working atmosphere, th- there's really no competition, because you know I, I, the way the way I see it is that you know each each brewer, they have their own take on the styles and and, and they make their own different t- types of beers, 
And if you make good beer, you know, you make good beer. People are going to show up. People are going to drink it. It's, it's not like, well, this guy makes good beer, but the guy a couple blocks away, you know, maybe he does and I'm not going to go. If you make good beer, people will go. You're going to have people coming yep, in and, sure. then, and then they're going to share those experiences. And, and I think, again, it goes back to community and how the whole craft beer vibe kind of um, evolves. No, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, and plus, if, and if your liquid is good, you know, people will come back. Like, they won't... You know, and they're honest. I find that a lot of times, a lot of the craft beer drinkers, like, they'll they'll tell you, like, you know, this is good, but it's not, you know, my, for my style or, like, this, you know, I don't I don't prefer this, mm-hmm. whatever. But, um, you know, like I said, like, we never put something on that has off flavors or, like, something that's not, not true to style or right. So, So, yeah. on the flip side, is there any ty- uh, types of beer that you really uh, get excited for? Obviously, you're excited to brew everything, but are there <laughs> certain types that are, that are close to home that you're like, yeah, this is... Yeah, I, I love mean, doing this. you know, what's really cool is because of our background at home brewing, like oftentimes like, we'll get to bring some of our favorite uh, like award-winning home brewing recipes to life. Mm-hmm. So like on the board here, we have strawberry molly and that was um, in our homebrew days. Like, we would always do like those private parties. But as we got toward the end of our homebrewing days and into professional, we actually started doing public homebrew competitions. So we used to host them at this place, a Hoptron Boutique in Patchog, And uh, we would do them, you know, on season. I think we did a summer one and a fall one. And then for the summer one, we invited the public to come in, like right off the street, you know, a couple hundred people come in, try the beers and vote mm-hmm. on them. And, 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 and Strawberry Molly actually won in a landslide because it was such a great beer. And, and that was like an exciting time for me personally. And then when we... That's actually, Sarah's recipe. That's my recipe, yes. That. yes sorry, <laughs> I may have mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but then to bring that to light commercially was super exciting, you know, to have it. And just to do it on that big scale was, I mean, big, three barrel, but, you know, exciting, <laughs> exciting just the same. Real big. <laughs> yeah, but we do, I mean, I guess, like, the most exciting stuff is, you know, when we do truly get to brew in season, like, that's great. We love to work with, like, new hops mm-hmm. that we get in, you know, because, like, it's just so great when you get to the wholesale level. You just get books and books full of, like, amazing new hops. And you get to see, like, countries that are putting out, like, new exciting hops. Mm-hmm. And, like, we love, we love New Zealand hops. They're really yep. coming into prominence now. and prominence rather and uh so it's, it's exciting to see what those new hops do to beer you know because everyone's always looking for like the citra and the mosaic for super juicy and all that and they're great hops no doubt but there are there are many that are undiscovered yeah you know so we we kind of we love to to explore with that too. a lot of the local ingredient stuff really sort of gets me excited too this uh the spruce juice we have on tap was a, was a cool one we never really brewed with spruce before we've been trying to brew with spruce and wanting to brew with spruce and uh this season came one of our members picked about five pounds of spruce tips from a, from a Nordic blue spruce that he uh, he planted. Oh, wow. And it just came out really nice. It's it's sort of, you know, like uncharted territories. You try not to be too conservative or liberal with your additions of the ingredient. And I think we nailed it pretty good on that one. That was a nice, it, it's just a sort of sublime flavor that the uh, the spruce adds to it. Yeah, I think I, I, my, my uh, kind of... Uh, um idea of brewing it's kind of like it's like mad science meets art yeah you exactly. know and yeah. uh it's it's i'm really i'm you know just fascinated by it from from top to bottom so, so you guys did mention that you utilize a three barrel electric system we can, do yeah so um for those of the listeners who may not be familiar can can just kind of tell us what what's that like just yeah yeah yeah. that's uh three th- three barrel is 93 gallons approximately more well it's exactly i think 93 gallons if i'm doing my math right um so it's pretty small uh, big compared to home brew, but small compared to some of the regional breweries who are literally 10 times the size. But a three barrel is nice in a few ways. It's, uh, it's first of all, affordable for a small group of brewers like us. But it's also, it's, you, can, you can go a little wackier. You know, like let's say you did over spruce, a spruce tip beer or something mm-hmm. like that. You, you, you're not losing $10,000 dumping it down the drain, right. which again, we haven't done yet. But um, you have this flexibility to, to really let the creativity come out. Um, the electric system is nice. It has... Um, 
And the other versions are uh, direct fire or steam jacket, which again are sort of for bigger systems. Um, uh, you, you know, propane or, or natural gas is the direct fire, and the steam jacket is, involves a boiler and all kinds of other crazy mm -hmm. shit. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's versatile, it's easy. Um, the system was affordable. It allowed us to get up and running. Um, it's somewhat, you know, greener, I guess. I mean, electricity has to oh, come absolutely. from somewhere. But right. it's, it's much less, you know, there's not a mess all around the brewery. Yeah. And, you know, and being on an electric system, you can really dial it in. Like, we have a, you know, a visual cue with our TV, and it outputs all the, the temperature settings and, right. and whatnot. And, and you can really, you can program things, and you can really dial in your brew and, and make it really consistent. Because, and you know, it's not, it's not enough to be able to produce good beer, but to consistently create good beer is that that's where the challenge lies, you right. know, because you have to really be exact in your methods and, and your temperature. And, of course, you know, sanitation is the key to the game. Paramount. So paramount, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, and, and that's, I think, what separates breweries, you know, like a brewery can come out with a really good brew, but if they can't replicate it a second time, you know, what was really the point? Because the, the beer will run out at some point. Right. And that's, you know, and this system has allowed us to really hone that skill, you know, and it, it's not such a huge system that were you know almost out of touch with like where we began it right. it, it was it was the, the natural progression for us because when you're on a homebrew sale typically you're brewing five or ten gallons at a clip mm -hmm. um but to, to go to three barrels is you know it's much bigger but now it's nice so now like once we're you know we're almost outgrowing this system now and then we'll probably move into seven or ten barrel mm -hmm. and then you know and then in your learning continues you know so mm -hmm. That's absolutely. Been good. Yeah, it, even going to a three barrels been a learning curve, you know. Like oh, like Sarah said, between five from five to ten, we brewed ten on a converted kegel system, you know, in our homebrew. Uh, going to three was uh, it's different. It's different gear. You got to learn. You know, you have real pumps and real chillers and real right. good stuff now. Yes. So you have to kind of learn how it works. Um, and it's just it's it's ever upward. What we're our, our our skills and our, our familiarity with the system and the beers well, just keep getting better and better. Yeah, every day you get you know every day you get a little bit better. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's it's. Well, it's plus, you know, being on a smaller system, you can create a greater variety of beer, too, because if you're on a huge system, you have to get through, like, all 10 barrels of that, and you're yeah. not going to be brewing as frequently, especially if, you know, if you're not with a distributor or you're self-distributing, you know. So it, it also allows us to, you know, like you said, we have 12 different offerings on the board. That's because we're at three barrel. We can just we're constantly brewing, you know, and trying this stuff. So how often do you try to introduce new brews? Once a week. Yeah, once yeah, a week at this point, yeah. yeah. We usually hit that. 90% of the time we hit a new beer once a week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, which is great because then, you know, it's nice because people like to try something new when they're in, you know, especially our regulars that come in every week. It's nice to have something new for them to try. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you guys have what you would consider maybe like your staple beer or is there a particular? Uh, we, we used to yeah. have that. That's sort of like a, almost like a business decision. We used to, back when we were, back when we were in Farmingdale doing the, uh, the, uh, the shared, uh, alternating proprietor shared, shared space stuff, we had... Uh, one of our IPAs, Useful Idiot. This is a long, this is a, as far as IPAs go, a long time ago. And that kind of style, sort of ancient history, is a nice, you know, golden floral IPA, but it's not what people are looking for anymore. So we had the idea a, a while back to use Useful Idiot as a flagship, or even just the idea of having a flagship. Mm -hmm. And we used to kind of, not scoff, but be like, hey, you know, what's with these breweries that don't, that brew new stuff every, all the time? And it's just, that's the better way, I think. That's, we've sort of come full circle to that, where it's, uh, we do have, I would say, seasonal staples. So we'll, we'll, we'll brew, this, not the same stuff, but we'll brew, some beers will come back in the spring, some beers right. will come back, you know, in the, uh, we're also in our first year, so it's kind of hard, you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of yeah, hard yeah. to say. But, um, like, loot will come back every spring and into the summer. Witchbinder will come back every fall. Winter, there's a, a few stouts and a few herbal stouts we're going to make as well that will come back. Nice. Um, as far as staples, that's about as far as we'll go with staples. But there are, we definitely do um, a rotation of, of, you know, the beers we've brewed in the past, but it is seasonal rather than, you know, all year around. 
Right. Again, it keeps you sort of in touch with things. And, and like right now, we got a bunch of pale ales on the board. We have a few stouts, or a couple of stouts, but a bunch of pale ales and a couple of IPAs. Um, yeah, so more, more seasonal. Yeah, than, it seems like you guys are very, very flexible in, in, in kind of the approach, and it allows you to kind of continuously have new, fresh, fresh oh, batches. Absolutely. Yeah. And plus, we can see like what people really responded to in real time. They say, like, oh, man, I love that coffee porter. Please bring that back. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so we test on the water. So yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you, so from, from you know, the, the folks that come in, the customers, have there been you know some beers that have really you know people have gone like wow like this this kind of blew me away oh definitely yeah i mean we have some oh you know we had a this wonderful um ella which is a uh a porter with madagascar vanilla beans and mm. it was a very robust and and had this just the most amazing aroma like due to the high quality beans that we used and i mean we had people coming back day after day that we were open just to to get their hands on that we bottled it and it was gone in like a day <laughs> you know so people will love that and that's great yeah and it was it was great and then the the loot the gruadale i keep talking about that's actually very much a fan favorite so we you know, we try to keep that going as much as possible. Same with, with Witchfinder or other Gruudels. We're sort of known for our Gruudels, you know, in because we d- did the festival circuit a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Like, we've been doing the festival circuit since really 2011, I guess. And um, so we, we have people that only know us from the festivals. And, and uh, so we would consistently bring, you know, things that we knew people would enjoy. Like, we right. used to have a, a useful idiot IPA. We still do brew it, um, but that was a, a favorite for a, a long time. But um, we bring that back every so often. And there's, there is just a group of, of people that love that beer, that just respond yeah. so well to that yeah, beer. Yeah. It's got a great name, you know. And, and it is a good name, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah. Cool. And, um, you guys, and you guys sell wine as well, right? We do, yeah. So we're actually a farm brewery. Uh, the, farm, the farm brewer's license was something that was passed by Governor Cuomo. He, he mm-hmm. sought to revitalize the craft beer industry in New York because, you know, New York was once the leader in, in, in beer, beer production, a hop, you know, hop and malt and, and all that. And, he, and he's kind of set out to, to make, that, make that so again. So with the farm brewing license, you get certain perks. First of all, the licenses is less expensive than a typical microbrewery license. Uh, and it entitles you to be able to sell all New York State produced wine and spirit as well. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so we can have like a nice variety. We're looking into spirits now. Maybe we'll make some craft cocktails. I'm not sure. Yeah. But that's a whole other world. So, sure. <laughs> yeah, but we figured yeah. we'd start with wine. So we contacted a bunch of our favorite wineries. You know, being on Long Island, you have it's access a to yeah. a lot of choice. Yeah, and I, I'm a big wine fan as well. So, we're actually, like, we, we started with Wolfer Estate. We had their summer in a bottle rosé which is a a great rosé and we had that going for a while and then we switched over to Bedell now and we're sort of looking to highlight like all the different wineries on the island big small you know as long as it's produced you know and and it doesn't necessarily have to be Long Island we're fine with the rest of New York too you know Um, so that yeah that's that's exciting and then also with the farm brewing license you have the ability to open up to five tasting rooms which is pretty cool too. That is pretty cool. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, and there's and there's lots of lots of different benefits. There's tax benefits and and um, a whole host of them. Cool, <laughs> cool. So now, when you bring wines in, do you think kind of like well? You know, how would these wines pair with our beers? Do you, is, that, is that a consideration when you're bringing them um, in? Not necessarily. I mean, really. We, we, we would get the question a lot. Like, sometimes we don't get beer drinkers that come in with a group like we'll do. Because we do a lot of private events mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. So um, they'll say, like, do you have any wine? Is there something that's wine-like? So well, we could just bring wine in. And uh, But we do, I mean, with the wine, we do typically like to buy varietals that are in season. So, like, right now, 
it's more whites and and rosés mm-hmm. and and nice summer blends and things like that. And as we get into the winter, we'll probably have more you know deeper reds and stuff that's in season. I mean, it would be interesting to do sort of a wine and beer pairing together. Like we have a we're doing a beer and cheese event mm-hmm. soon. You know, it's 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 interesting. But yeah, I've never actually considered it doing it that way. But well, look at that. Maybe this is a yeah. beer today, beer tomorrow exclusive. Uh, that's you right. Guys that's right. A, a, a wine and, a, and, a, and beer pairing. You heard it here first, you heard folks. It here first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, recently the Brewers Association, they, they released the uh, independent craft beer. Oh, seal. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it happened maybe a couple of weeks ago. What do, you, what do you guys think about that? Oh, I love we it. love it. And here it is over here behind us. Um, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's absolutely needed. I mm. mean, especially in a market now that, you know, you, you have to beware of big beer. It's crafty. It, it hides behind the seal of craft beer, mm-hmm. but it's not really craft beer and it's not independent. So, you know, to have that seal, it really truly represents, you know, the independent craft brewer because that is a whole different game than, than big beer. And we proudly wear that seal. We have it on the front of our brewery. We have it anywhere you look in our brewery, you'll see the independent Absolutely. craft seal. That's a great move on their part. Um, a lot of people get sort of hung up on the differentiation of craft uh, in semantics and a semantic sort of, you know, circle jerk. And it's, uh, it's, it's pretty easy to tell if you want to use the term craft, what is craft and what isn't craft. Mm-hmm. Maybe visiting helps. You know, it's, you, you can be a large regional and still be craft. That's, it's, you, can st- you can be a large regional and, and not be craft, too. Look at Blue Point. They're, right. they're not craft anymore. Um, and it's important to distinguish that. You know, again, it depends, I guess, on your ideology, if you consider it important or not. If you are sort of a consumer of things and you just don't care, then you're not really going to care about it so much. But if you have any inkling of, 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 of you know, thought that goes into what you're buying and, and, and that you want to see around in the future, then it's important. Not, maybe not important, but it's good. It would be better if you supported craft breweries. And I think that the label is great. I think it's a good thing. Um, you can immediately see how effective it was due to the backlash of Anheuser-Busch associated breweries yep. who put out videos and something about, you know, oh, Reaction you know, you, videos to yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, talking okay, about what, what is punk and what isn't. It's all bullshit. It's all marketing <laughs> nonsense. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. And no, I, you know, I, I look at it too. I think, you know, when you're truly, you know, independent, you know, craft beer, when, when that's what you're doing, I mean, you, um, and it's not to say that the guys that aren't like, you know, Blue Point, they, they still make good beer, but it's like. The craft brewers, they're really, you're assuming the risk. It's like you're putting your, 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 it's your lifeline. And I think that should be recognized. And I think that that does play an important role. I mean, me, you know, personally, I, I want to know where I'm going if this is legitimately craft beer because mm-hmm. there's non-craft beer or, or previously maybe they were craft that are still kind of trying, you know, they're operating under that guise that, oh, we're, we're still kind of craft. Zombie but, brands. Right. Yeah. Zombie brands. And it's bullshit because, crafty. you know, you're, you're <laughs> yeah, it's being crafty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I, I um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I expected you guys to kind of be excited about this. And I, I think it's a great thing. Oh, I it's think a great I'm, thing. I'm, and so, so many people, I mean, I would say like the, the most of the population has no idea what that even means. No idea. And, but to have the symbol, at least some people will ask the question and maybe you can tell them like what's going starts on. Starts the dialogue. Starts the dialogue. Exactly. And I think that, you know, there's just been a shift overall. I mean, you can, you can see by the market share that independent craft gets year after year. I mean, we get more and more of the market because I think that at least in the United States, I mean, and, and it's more so already in other places in the world, but in United, in the United States, like there is that great local movement, you know, local food, yep. local, local wine, local beer, local everything, you know, and, and it's sort of a shift back to how things used to be before everything was so homogenized, you right. know. And it's the, a reaction to yeah. consumer culture, to be honest with you. This, this yeah. like upsurge of local stuff. I think people are even subconsciously feeling sort of a, a, a desire to reconnect with what's local instead of buying it from a nameless 
faceless global corporation. Not, I, not to go that, you know, route. No, I, really I, it's true. I completely agree. And I think it goes back, I think it's twofold. It goes back to community, which, which is really a huge part of what craft beer is. Mm-hmm. And then I think, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you, you can, you know, some of these major, you know, global corporations, their beer is shit. I mean, mm-hmm. it's flavorless. It's like, you know, it's like piss water. Yeah. And then you, you have craft brewers that, and that are kind of, they're, they're exploring that, that flavor spectrum and they're trying to push boundaries. And, it's, and you, you're getting all these different complex, you know, tastes and smells. And you, you're not going to get that from, you know, a faceless major corporation that's really only caring about the bottom line. Right, and not and on their main brands. They're, they're, they're side brands. The high end of Anheuser-Busch will do that, though, because they know that with marketing research, that's what people want. Yeah. So they'll yeah. give you exactly what you want. It's just going to go back to their coffers and out of your community and out of your state and out of your locality back to wherever the hell they're headquartered. Right. Yeah, but I'm just happy that we're moving away from that, whereas, like, you know, it's not just all loggers anymore, you know? Right, that's <laughs> right. also true. So, well, yeah, yeah and, and it's great to say, and I think craft beer is only, you know, some people talk about, well, did the craft beer bubble burst? And oh, no, no. I don't believe that at all. I think it's just kind of evolving. Like and it's too. and it's changing, and I think as people are more introduced to it, then their tastes uh, and what they're into is going to expand, and they're only going to be more intrigued. And you know, it's it's re- at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, if you're just going out to get fucked up, you can drink anything. Of but course. but a lot of people want to go out and they really want to have an experience when they're drinking, and I think that the craft beer scene provides you with that experience. Oh, definitely. And people always talk about this bubble. I mean. And what is a bubble, really? I mean, it's, it's saturation in a market. I mean, eventually, yes. I mean, it, there might be so many breweries on the island that there's literally one in every town, multiples in every town. There's one on every block. And I'm sure that it won't be, there won't be an explosive, you know, the bubble won't burst until there's that. And then and it's not to say that when the bubble bursts that there won't be any craft breweries remaining. They'll just be the ones that, you know, did their job right, that consistently put out a good product that didn't overreach, didn't try to expand too quickly, right. you know, got into it for the right reasons, you know, really, you know, honed their craft and stuff and I think that 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 is repeated throughout history you know but uh, but I mean like you said though it's there's a, been a culture shift so it's not like there's going to be a person and everyone's going to go back to, to <laughs> drinking right. Schlitz or something right. you know right. like that's no, that's not, not going to happen again no so. no no and you know it's interesting if you look at New York as a whole the number of breweries and then you compare it to let's say like San Diego oh God. I mean you know we're like I, nothing I, yeah <laughs> I mean we, we have we've got <laughs> a long infancy. way to go before long that that bubble even even you know oh, bre- yes. And even so, I don't think the bubble's ever going to burst. I think people are always going to want to drink beer. And they're always going to want... Yeah. And now they're, they're kind of learning that I just don't want to drink beer. I want to drink good beer. Yes. And I think that... that um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, don't, I don't think there's any kind of bubble burst. I think things will change. Oh, and yeah. to your point, I think the more together the brewery is, the better they'll fare. Mm-hmm. I think now, I think even you know before it was like, okay, I'll make good beer. Let me, let me start this up. But now there's so many other considerations as a business owner. Mm-hmm. You have to think about, you know things like marketing and, and, oh, yeah. and, and networking oh, and, and so many, all the other factors of business, you know, that, that you need to uh, be aware of. And I think the more savvy um, craft brew owners will, will survive, provided oh, you keep making good beer. I, I mean, that's, you know, that, that's more than half the battle right yes, there. Yes, indeed. And there's, and, and, but I have to say, making good beer is, is, is n- will never be enough to be successful, you know, right. unless you have an idea of how to run business and how to do good business yep. and good marketing. And marketing. And, and, and all of that, and, and have an eye, an, eye, an eye for expansion and, and you know, doing, doing everything right, you know, that's good. I mean, I think a lot of people get into the beer business because they know that they make good beer, but, you know, it's, it's good that you 
like we're, we're we're very fortunate. There's six of us, and we're each you know unique in our our own talents, and we all bring something different, and we have most of our bases covered. Not to say that there's not a learning curve for other aspects of the business, but you know you have to you have to have that in your pocket, or at least be able to partner with someone that can help you with those facets. You know, if you have the capital to hire a marketing consultant, you know, right. you should do that. Right. You'll see today, you'll see a lot of people getting into it because there's a market for it. So you have a lot of investor, uh, uh, investor capital types, people getting into this just because they know, well, you know, I got this money laying around. Let me do something with it. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know them, but it, <laughs> you, you do see people coming into this industry now, um, I guess it's a wide spectrum. We're sort of maybe one end, I guess, or mm -hmm. we're somewhere on that spectrum. But, sure. you know, you have a lot of people with a lot of different motives and a lot of different levels of, of, of funding behind them coming in. Right. So, yeah. you know, whereas we're sort of the, the DIY grassroots and the other end of the spectrum, I guess you could say, are the people with a lot of capital who don't actually do anything themselves. They just right. they hire people to do it. They just invest. And they just invest. You yeah. know, and they call themselves the CEO or something like right. that. And they don't do shit themselves. They got a fancy title, but they're just right. kind of pop popping in every so often, making sure, you know, lights right. are on and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, you, you mentioned, so there, there's a total of six of you in the collective. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when did you get together with the other four folks and, you know, what kind of, uh, um, did they kind of share the same roles and responsibilities? Yeah, the originally, originally the, the collective was made up of, um, of my coworkers, myself. Um, my wife Sarah here and uh, a couple of friends of ours who were also into homebrewing and it was just a homebrew club um, and then as we got serious we used to we were nine members previously and uh, those nine members eventually you know people it, it's 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 hard as hell to work a day job and to work a night job and Absolutely. to get something going um, and more so when you have kids which we do and most of us do um, how many kids uh, two two little girls we have oh nice nice yeah. I have um, three actually three oh, little nice. boys oh, nice. my <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like Wrestlemania in my house like every day life <laughs> is going by very quickly yes yes it is yeah but it's uh, so you know those guys had some of them had other careers that they considered they put you know not to say put forward but it's what pays the bills right the Bruce Club doesn't pay the bills your, your, your main job pays the bills and uh, some of them had to drop out but we, you know, we're friends still we all hang out with them all the time um, and it's nothing like that but those guys dropped out and we're left with the core group. We picked up another guy, again, a friend of, our, of uh, one of our guys. That's uh, Stretch is the new guy, if you will. He's not the new guy anymore, but he's the newest guy. Um, and it's, it's, sort of was, it's sort of based on what can you bring to the table for us, you know, and, and what are your skill sets. But originally it was, it, was, it was all of us as a homebrew club and we decided to take the jump together and incorporate. So it was very, I mean, I don't, I don't know how more legit you can get than that. Then, you know, we didn't, we didn't hire anybody, you know, yeah, <laughs> we no, didn't looking for a brewmaster or a marketing person. And, you know, it's so ourselves. right. Right. And it's so great that you guys have those other folks that kind of share the vision and, and they're, they're really behind it just like you yeah. guys are. I yeah. mean, that's, that's, you know, in, in itself, that's, that's a blessing to kind of have. It, oh, it, is. Is. it can be, it can be chaos when you have that many cooks in the kitchen, you know, I mean, luckily for us, like we're all united by the fact that we want the Brewers Collective to be a huge success. You know, this was something that we dreamed about, that we talked about in our basements. And then yeah, we, literally. it was always the goal, like, you know, one day we're going to have a real brewery and people are going to come and they're going to buy our beer and, and it's going to be fantastic. And it was always sort of a pipe dream. And then it, and then it happened. And now it's 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 it can be anything that we want it to be. Yeah. Starts with know. belief. It does. It really does. And and we're we're pure at heart, you know, like yeah. we're in it for the right reasons. And it, and it's. You know, it's a lot of luck too. I mean, it's a lot of hard work. Sure. But you know, sure. we hit a, we did, you know, we hit a couple of, of lucky 
you know, with having that incubator, that was huge for us. Because I don't know where we'd be if we didn't have that to start with. We probably would have, maybe we have, we would have gone to contract brewing. I'm not even. Yeah, really we sure. wouldn't be where we wouldn't be here. That's for no, sure. No, no. And then you know, and then also being able to be in Bayshore. Um, Bayshore is is up and coming. You know, I mean, well, it's here. I mean, it used to be more of a, a bar town, but now it's it's like foodie central. It's really yeah. sort of become almost like a little patchog. Because now, like, Bayshore is doing a lot of the things that Patrick does now with, like, the Alive at the Bay, which is kind of like the Alive After Five. Yeah. It's like these huge Main Street festivals. Everyone's drinking and doing all this stuff. And just to be part of, of this sort of revolution in Bayshore has been, it's, you know, super exciting because it, 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 it jives with what we're doing as a company. Right. So it's, just, it's, it's super exciting. We're in this, you know, um, for everyone listening, we're in this little industrial center in North Bayshore. Right. And it's, you know... It's cool, like it, that. It's extended that far, and that there's all these new small businesses that are popping up in all the different areas of town. Like you know, because Main Street is kind of hard to get to, especially when you're first starting out. I mean, that yeah. that's sky high rent right there. Right, so. right. But you know, you, you guys yeah. have a nice, nice spot here. Well, I like it. I like the vibe in here. You know, it's um, it's it's. I would consider it compared to uh, you know several of the other you know breweries been in. It, it's fairly spacious. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the tall ceilings help. To- yeah, yeah. The, to- the tall ceilings help. But I, I love the vibe here too. Um, so I-, I noticed you guys kind of you poured out. Yes, we're some feeding you beer now. You're feeding me beer. I'm very excited <laughs> about being fed beer. Very excited. Um, so I guess uh, I'll start from uh, left to right. So, so tell me what this this first one is All right, right here. Yeah. So the first one here is it's called Rung Out, um, and it's a it's a chocolate milk stout. And, uh, you know, so true to our homebrew roots, we, um, yes, uh, we, <laughs> we, uh, we started, um, we, there's three local homebrew clubs on the island. There's homebrews and hand grenades, yep. uh, Long Island Beer and Malt Enthusiasts, LABME, and beer, Brewers East End Revival. So we did a homebrew competition with homebrews and hand grenades, and the winner of that competition got to brew with the Brewers Collective, and that's what you're drinking now. It's Rung Out. So it's made by this guy, Scott Rung, and hence Rung Out. And uh, he's actually... And it's, rung, it's Rung Out because he's moving to Georgia. He's moving to Georgia. So, oh, Scott yeah, Rung so, Out, you know? Yeah, so we <laughs> brew that with him. So it's nitrogenated, so it's just a really nice milk set. It's, it's, it's a bit, you know, a little heavier with a roast profile, and it's, a, you know, bigger on the, on the ABV side. It's... Um, uh, 6.8%. So this is nice. Yeah. You definitely get the roasty notes right away. A little mm-hmm. bit. It's almost like a creamy yes. texture. Yeah, it's, I love um, that nitro. God, it's tasty. <laughs> yeah. I, I like this. Thanks. Yeah, and I, I mean, I sort of live on the dark side of beer, so mm. like I'm always happy to, to brew a stout or a porter or, you know, anything dark, especially on, on nitro. That's, uh, that's my happy place. So <laughs> <laughs> when, oh, uh, when he won, I was extremely excited. And as you can see, and, you know, and it's funny because we're in the middle of summer right now and not everyone really gravitates necessarily toward a stout but i can't tell you how excited people were to have a stout <laughs> going on in the middle of summer like i myself find them very refreshing even in hot weather well but, you know i, I was yeah. actually just going to say that this is uh i know a lot of people kind of like well stouts in the summer but this yeah. this is refreshing <laughs> it is. um and today it doesn't feel like summer outside but <laughs> no, but even no, if it did <laughs> this this is a refreshing um refreshing set i like this a lot oh, thanks i do that's a good one. Nice yeah. lactose in there. That that mm. milk sweetness and the uh, yeah, you get cocoa the nibs. Sweetness. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Roasted mm. malts. It's got a nice kind of lingering aftertaste on the tongue too. You get that sweetness. It kind of goes, you know, it's like a warming sweetness that goes all the way down. It's very nice. We can't really take credit for it. It's it's, it's almost a direct uh, translation to his uh, five gallon homebrew. Maybe ten gallon. I think it was. I forget what he brewed. Yeah. But no. it's really it's his recipe. So we just kind of executed it. You know, with yeah. him here, of course, we brewed it with him. Got to stop him from going to Georgia, right? That's right. <laughs> I know. We're like, please don't leave. Um, no, but uh, yeah, and he was really excited with how it came out, and that was good. And we actually, it's funny, last Sunday, we actually did another homebrew competition, at the, but this one was at the brewery. This one we had done last year, it was done at their club, and 
and all that, but we um, we have a contract for Chinook Hops, so we we gifted the homebrew clubs each. Um, you know, there were several people that wanted to brew with Chinook hops, so we gave them each like an ounce of Chinook, and they made 16 or 18 unique beers. Wow. Yeah, so they all came down last Sunday. They set them all up, and then our Skeleton Army, which is our, our mug club, uh, came in, and they judged all the beers, and we picked a clear winner from that, and that was actually a lemongrass saison that we'll be brewing. Wow, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice so beer. it's exciting, and that's like, you know, that's who we are, and that's uh, we're happy to do events like that because, you know, homebrewers... Uh, like when you go to beer festivals, if you see a homebrew club set up, you should go to their tent and drink their beer. Absolutely, you know? definitely. Because these Absolutely. are people that are totally in love with making beer. Right, right. Know? It's like beer geekery at its finest. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 new stuff, new techniques, new ingredients. Yep. Yeah. New, yeah. new adjuncts, new yeasts. We found out about a new yeast the other day from one of the guys that was here from the homebrew club. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you but so it was, I think it was cool to have the Skeleton Army, our mug club, judge it. Um, you know, at the, at, at, on one hand, you're, you're embracing the homebrew culture by having them come here, which we love. I mean, it's not no, no, no sweat for us. They just set up in our parking lot and everyone's to drink their beer. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's easy for us. But it you know, gives them a chance to sort of showcase it. But then at the same time, you know, you're not having a panel of like elite judges. Now, no disrespect to the BJCP certification program and the people who do judge beer because it's very important and it's very valid. Yep. Um, I don't want to say but. I'll just say that although instead what we would do is it, it, it's almost like a, a like a public opinion thing and the yeah. people who matter most to us I, I don't know maybe I shouldn't say that but people who matter a lot to us are our mug club members who bought into it and who sort of helped us fund this place by buying into the homebrew club or the uh, mug club we, we sort of take care of them first so who better sure. to decide what we brew next than the people who are on our mug club it's your customer base really yeah. you know you, you want to you want to cater to what they like and you right. know bjcp i respect the hell out of Absolutely. out of the process we hold out the of class those guys here every wednesday for we that do, yeah. we the next round of bjcp judges coming out of here so. that's, that's awesome that's <laughs> yeah. awesome but you know not not everyone is that f- like they're not that finely tuned in to yeah. all the sense i mean it, it's it's a lot you have to train yourself to, to taste a certain way literally and and there's lots of people who, who aren't trained in that way but love beer and mm-hmm. I think that's that's great so so tell me a little bit more about the mug club tell me oh, what, yeah. what that's so, about um, yeah so the skeleton army um, so the skeleton army was a real thing uh, it existed in England I think at the turn of the 18th century I think so and Something um, like that. don't quote me on that the, consult Wikipedia they'll tell yeah. you more we'll just um, google it yeah, yeah we'll just google it it's yeah. fine no problem um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it was a real thing and it it, um, it sort of was a response to the salvation army because they had this whole thing of you know they were very anti-alcohol and uh, and to be fair there was yeah. a pretty big gin problem in, yeah there was in a gin problem so <laughs> I mean, with good reason but to the skeleton fair, army the yeah they sort of rose up and and, and tried to, to stop that it was the publicans who got sick of you know getting heckled by the salvation army yeah. so they would they would pelt them with dead rats and rocks and stuff like yeah. that and get nice. them to, so they had the, counter the demonstrations <laughs> instead of calling it the mug club we call it the skeleton yeah. army so yeah so basically so what we do is we recruit the army once a year so we started recruitment back last november actually before we even opened because there was a lot of interest and we went around and and we looked at other mug clubs both on the island and really in the country at at large and we wanted to create a a unique experience something you know we really wanted to give back because we had from the festival circuits and stuff we had a lot of fans of of old and new and and we wanted to have like a like a vip experience when you came in so we have um uh, the all skeleton army members get a a mug, and it's uh, our our pours here are typically twelve ounces, but the skeleton army mug is sixteen ounces. Oh, nice. So yeah, so when you come in, and this is the mug here, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. um, you get sixteen ounces for the price of twelve. So that's first. So and that's unlimited. You know, any style, any time. And then you get twelve bottles of beer a year with your membership. So that's a twenty-two ounce uh, bomber of beer. 
and uh, you can have you can get it at any point in the year. We do do special bottle releases with you know fancy label art and all that, or you can just do our you know our usual releases of what's freshest on the board. And um, also on the month of your birthday, you get a free pint and a flight, and you do 10% off of all other non-beer merchandise. Nice. And then yeah, we do, and then. Being in the Skeleton Army, you get access, early access to whenever we do a bottle release or a special event. You can come in an hour early. We do special Skeleton only, Skeleton Army only events, you know, like the, the homebrew like the competition. Thing, yeah. Like right. they came in and they got to judge free of charge. And uh, yeah. yeah. Cool. So how do you become uh, a member? Yes. Um, so right now, actually, we're, we're, we're full. Um, so it's a yearly membership. Uh, we, it's $149. It's priced really well for what for what you get, and once a year we'll open up recruitment. So this year we're going to double the size of the army. So starting in November, we're going to put it out on all our social media channels, you know, to, to come become a skeleton army member, and uh, nice. we and we love it. And and the response from it has been fantastic, and and it's it's a joy to like see other people, you know come in and, and they have their mugs and they're like oh you're skeleton army yeah me too you know and right. they talk and the, the f- friendships have been formed and sure. a love of beer and it's, it's all we wanted we wanted to create a culture that was ours and it's been a huge success and, w- and we love it and we we send them emails every week like this is, this is what bottles we have available this is what's coming up and very nice we give them a dedicated yeah. tap too i think that's we the most, oh, yes, the most I'm sorry. Uh, that's visible God, how could i forget oh, wow. most visible oh, part huh. yeah there's a super super secret dedicated skeleton army tap oh line. wow super yeah. secret oh super secret yeah we even block it out on the board everyone's like what are all the squares i'm like i'm, I'm sorry we can't the talk redacted about that not in the club no we're not in the club, <laughs> not in the club. <laughs> they see other people next to them with the mug getting it they're like what is that that's funny that's awesome yes so, so next up in the line, yes. what do we have here? Yeah, so this is um, this is the spruce juice, the Shantytown spruce juice. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it's a pale ale, and it's infused with um, fresh, locally foraged spruce tips from out east on the island. Nice clean pale ale. Yeah, it is clean, y- and you get this. Sp- it's like a, it's a subtle, but you get it. Yeah, you it get is the subtle. spruce mm-hmm. on on the uh, on the taste on the way on the way down. It's nice. I was actually looking forward when I was kind of scrolling through your social media the other day. I love that shot. We actually reposted it, the one with this mug and the uh, the spruce tips. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, love yeah, that yeah. picture. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I need need to try this. So yeah, this is the Shantytown spruce juice. It's a five and a half yes. percent. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, yeah the spruce, spruce tips are cool. They're, um, I, you know, I've had, I've had, I think I've had spruce beers before that are, I know I have, um, like Christmas beers, and you get that kind of like piney, resinous taste yeah. to it. But for, you know, I mean, they're in season in, in late spring, right? So it's, it's like a different, there's a different, completely different flavor profile going on. You very, get that sort very of different. green, almost juicy. There is pine to it, but it's not pine salt. It's not, it's not like chewing on a pine needle. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's that vegetal sort of. And th- there is a refreshing quality to Certainly. it, too. Certainly. Um, this, yeah, this is, this, is, this is an interesting one. The Shantytown Spruce. So this is a pale ale with Chinook and uh, forage spruce tips. And you said you guys mentioned you used about five pounds of those? No, we, we, we foraged about five. Foraged about we five. used about a pound and a half in this one. Maybe two pounds. I have to look mm-hmm. at the records. Yes, we were that's, not looking to be overly sprucey or piney, you know, because, I mean, I, I do like bold flavors, but it was the first time really using this ingredient. Right. So. And, and yeah. you know, yeah. it's strong. It's it is it strong. It could be strong. But it I smells think it's incredible. Oh, my God. Oh, I can imagine. so good. But I think this, this, is, this is nicely uh, balanced, I think. Um, Given that it, it is, you know, it is a strong kind of uh, powerful ingredient. Yeah, powerful ingredient, exactly, exactly. I'm a fan of it. I was very happy the way that came out, and we'll make variations. We'll test it again and see how we like it. Maybe change the yeast up. See what it does. Yeah, you know why not? And it, it's amazing that you guys kind of, uh, you know, you're sitting here and and you're living out your passion doing this, and it's just, uh, uh, you know, 
cheers to you guys. Oh, this is, this is uh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely awesome. Oh, um, thank you. Absolutely awesome that you thank guys you, can can you. can do this. Um, and uh, you know, we we talk to a lot of a lot of brewers and a lot of the, a lot of these craft beer brewers. They put in so many hours. You know, so it's many just hours. it's it's incredible, yeah. and it's really a labor of 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 passion. And that's another reason why you know people who are looking for that drinking experience, you know, today, tomorrow, obviously we always recommend craft craft breweries because it's like, you know, you're really, you're tasting the passion, you know, you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're tasting it through those beers and it's just, uh, it's a great experience. It's a great, great experience. And I, yeah. And I, and I love that, you know, that you have a podcast devoted to that. I love that there's multiple podcasts devoted to that. Like it just mm-hmm. shows, like, I, I think that that's like a direct correlation that, you know, because that exists, like there's going to be people that love it to the point that they want to talk about it and they want to spread the love. Like, I think that that's, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you. And, and yes, and, and I'll, you know, I'll shout out all of the uh, beer, craft beer blogs, craft mm-hmm. beer podcasts. You know, we, um, we're friendly with, 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 with um, a lot of them. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, you just hit it on the head. It's like, you know, it's, it's so, I think that the passion obviously starts, you know, with the person, the people making the beers. Mm-hmm. And I think that that translates when it's done well. And then you get people excited about beers mm-hmm. and then you get people, you know, um, doing what they can to get all these different kinds of beers from all over. Like we have, you know, we, we have some, some guys that are really, really into like the beer trading. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to get all these, these uh, rare beers from all over. And I'm curious, obviously you guys are brewers. So I mean, you yeah. don't really need to trade beers i mean you're making your <laughs> beers but what's what's your guys take on the whole uh, beer mail thing i mean i think it's great i mean i think i think it's great in the sense that it's wonderful to be able to try beers that are being produced in different parts of the country um it's it's great just just for you know like i i love like cantillon beer that's being brewed out of belgium that's like some of the greatest beer in the world you yeah. know so <laughs> very nice beer, yeah. yeah so people are able to trade and get that that's exciting you know and especially you know california's killing it you know in oh, the yeah. craft beer scene so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's great to try that stuff i mean there i don't really love the extreme side of it you know where people are really just looking for the photo op with like the sweet glass and the the hard to get whale can and it's lining up and spending hours online for releases yeah i don't yeah. love that to me that that's not truly craft beer like i mean i get it i mean it's exciting that it exists i think it's good as far as exposure goes but there is like there's, it seems almost like there's a whole section of of people that are all about that it's and like a not, subculture yeah like why why yeah. why how are you going to drive to to brooklyn like when you have amazing breweries like right around the street from you like i mean yeah go there often don't go there every time there's a release and just spend all your time online just to trade to get other beers get other and beers. stuff not even enjoy them like i don't yeah that i don't really yeah, love and, and you know I, I at the risk of 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 uh, being unpopular with <laughs> our audience i feel two ways i think on the one hand it it spreads craft beer oh, it, ma- it makes it more accessible it gets people involved and then you know uh, on and which is great which is really great and you can get rare beers on the other hand and uh you know general manager of single cut dan bronson was on the show a couple weeks back and he um you know he, he asked me the question he's like when was the last time you did a beer trade and you got a uh you know temperature appropriate sealed with ice at a certain temperature in the mail that came to your door and, and the answer is never right yeah so right. Uh, on the one hand it's great yes you get these beers you you can get access to them it kind of grows it, and yes, there is this subculture where people are just posting, and, and it makes you wonder. It's like there's a lot of beers you got on your account. How are you drinking all of these? <laughs> yeah, please don't tell me you're dumping um, those out when you're done with the picture because that's a shame. Part, part of it weirds me out. Part of me, part of me, part of me was weirded out by it. Part of me wants to be one of the guys, one of the beers that are being traded. Right. Though, so you know. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, it is. It is lucrative, and, and you know, I, 
I would imagine from a brewing standpoint, if someone's trading across the, the country to get your beer, that's, you know, it's kind of like a feather in the cap. But, oh, definitely. You know, you, you, you wonder, though, you know, what you're getting in the mail, is that really the vision the brewer intended for you to, you know, to try yes, and to yeah. have? And it makes you wonder, like, should it, should it be that? It's, it's kind of like the macro argument almost in, in a different wrapper, you know, should beer be available that far and wide? You know, do you want like it, when when you're shipping it across the country or even across the state? Is it is it being temperature controlled? You know, um, it, it, it can degrade for sure. Or time, especially with the juicy IPAs, time yeah. will degrade it. So it's you know I don't know I don't really have too much of an opinion on it, but it's it's it is yeah, there, there, you have to wonder you have to wonder about the quality uh, and whether you're being represented because you figure that that, that demographic that does that stuff is sort of critical on the beer too. So. If they get in a beer that was supposed to be an IPA and it's three months later and it was hot shipped across the country or yeah. light struck in a bottle, then it's and it turns out skunky and malty, and they're going to be like, "What the, the hell is this shit?" Yeah. You know? No, it's true. <laughs> it's true. And I, and I guess the more seasoned beer traders, you know, they're they're aware of when the releases are, and and so they they, they try to time it. So yeah, you know, I, I feel I, I feel uh, um, you know a little bit split. Uh, maybe like a, like a sixty forty split, sixty percent in favor because it is great. You're getting this access. I mean, at the end of the day, if if you can, just go to the brewery, even you know wherever that brewery may be. If you right. if you can, you know, if you have the time, if you can afford it, whatever it is, go to the brewery. I'm sure you'll the beer you drink that that'll be served there is going to be better than what you got shipped in the mail. But at the same time, you know what? You, you're getting it's it's more about exposure and access, and in, in the oh, long definitely. run, it helps the craft beer scene. You it know. does, and and almost honestly, hopefully that stuff will not because I don't like it. Hopefully that sort of behavior or that sort of activity will sort of sort of cut, come down over time when more breweries in the, their local area either come up or start making better beers or make beers that are, that are good. You know, it's, 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 I believe in the community and locality sort of thing. So, you know, hopefully that'll just sort of cancel it out and to some degree. Ab- absolutely. And, and I think, you know, it's still, that, that, that's another indication of how kind of, I don't want to say infancy, but, but, you know, the craft beer scene in New York, it's, it's got a long way to go. Sure. And, and I think that, um, there's some of the other breweries that maybe a little more established that are, that are out of state. They have that, there's a buzz about them. Exactly. But yeah. a, as the scene expands here, I mean, you can go great stuff, you know, down the block from where you live. Uh, and I, and I think o- over, you know, over time people are going to realize like, yes, you know, yeah, those bre- other breweries are still great, but you know, you, we got great stuff locally. And right, I, and I right. think that'll, um, you know, that'll only be enforced over time. Um, so I'm looking at this guy right yes. here. What do we got right so here? So that's Boots at the Beach. That's a black IPA. Oh, nice. Yeah. Boots at the Beach. Boots yeah. at the Beach. Yes. Very, and that's very really nice. named for Tim, who wears his boots all seasons to all places. Nice. <laughs> all nice. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make a summer IPA. It was a little, little different. So he decided yeah. to make a black IPA uh, that is uh, pretty sessionable and, and uh, not... I love it. I don't really typically like a black IPA, and I love that beer. Like that? it's just, it's very roasty. It's got like just a wonderful malt profile. The hops are there, but they're not completely overpowering. You know, it's 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 a nice balance. Very sessionable, like Tim said. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it, it's it's um at four point eight percent. That's that's that is like you said. That is very sessionable. Mm-hmm. If I'm, I, I like this and tasting it, I wouldn't have guessed four point eight. I probably would have guessed a little bit higher. Yeah. But um, but but this is this is taste. This is a black IPA with Amarillo, Bavarian Cardinal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is um, nice. And uh, is this one of the ones you, you have? You guys been brewing this one for a while? Is this something no, very debut? First, first run of it. Run, yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, one of our other members, Jason, is uh, in charge of ingredient ordering and inventory and stuff, and he keeps pull, come, you know ordering these crazy hops that we've never used before. I mean, Amarillo, we have a ton of. We have uh, Mandarina Bavaria in there and uh, Styrian Cardinal from Slovenia. 
Um, that that's that you don't see that one used all that often. No, no, no. Uh, Zizak, I think that's the next one in line. There is all all uh, 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 Styrian Cardinal. Wow. So I think Styria is a. I think that's a. I think historically that's that's Bavaria or something like that. It's it's not Slovenia, but they're growing that 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 sh- that uh, uh, variety in Slovenia, which is where we got the hops from. It's pretty cool. But yeah, boots of the beach is nice. I was actually surprised at how much the. Uh, our comrades here enjoyed it because I knew I would like it, but the rest of them, I was like, oh, it might be hard to win over. I'm like, oh, this beer is fucking great. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's it's, it's um, interesting. You know, you know, black IPAs. You don't see all. You know, you don't you don't see t- a ton of them uh, available. And um, you know, when they're done well, they're they're done well and they're yeah, nice. Yeah. I, I I do like this. I do like this. Um, definitely very sessional, but uh, sneaky. You know, yeah. this is a sneaky little one. You can drink. That's like you could drink that all day. But eventually, we'll pack a punch. Oh yes, yeah. yeah, it'll, it'll catch up with you at some point. Yes, but, you yes. know, we'll worry about that later. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and now this next one we got here. What, what yes, do we? Uh, that's uh, that's Zizek. Zizek. So yeah, Zizek. that's. Uh, Where'd you get the inspiration for the name, by the way? That's uh, okay. all right. All right. That's Tim. So we had these Slovenian hops, and the only really sad to say, the only thing I know about Slovenia is uh, Slavoj Zizek comes from Slovenia. He's a, uh, a a philosopher, a psychoanalyst, and a Marxist. I'm a very big fan of this man. He's a very interesting fellow. Uh, watching him speak, he's a complete fucking mess. He's sweaty. He's constantly <laughs> oh touching his face. He has like people think he's like a cokehead, but he's not. He's just he's a just a uh, interesting guy. Um, very um, interesting way of speaking with a. Great he's a lisp. lisp he's a lisp. Yeah. And, but, and, but he's extremely he's, memorable voice, and he, he's constantly. What's I gotta look movie? this guy up. Has, you have these, to look him up, Zizek. He has these Zizek. movies oh called uh, "The Pervert's Guide to Cinema" and "The Pervert's <laughs> Guide to Ideology." And yes. they're uh, in, in "The Pervert's Guide to Cinema." He critiques a lot of uh, film classics like "The Sound of Music" and "Taxi Driver" and uh, oh, I don't know, the "Clockwork Orange" and stuff. And he sort of nice. picks apart the uh, uh, he psychoanalyzes it basically through a certain lens. And I, I, it's he's very very interesting to, to listen to. Guaranteed very smart yeah. guy. Guaranteed so, you've never seen anything like it before. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. Uh, but the beer itself, so it's, it's uh, uh, the, the Slovenian-grown Styrian Cardinal hops. It's a nice crisp pale ale, a little bit of crystal malt in there. Wow. And uh, I, I, I really changed my, my pale uh, recipe a little bit for this uh, by upping crystal and, and just these new hops. It gave it just this nice character to it. I really, it's one of my favorite beers right now that we have. Wow. Th- there's, um, there's, I can't, you know. Can't put my fi- put my finger on it, but there's like this, this sweetness. It's almost yeah. like a fruit punch. It's, it's kind of it's like yeah, yeah, like like yeah. A, like a, almost like a mango acid. Yeah. There's there's a there's, and it's and it's unique because you know I, I haven't come across a whole ton of beers with this with you know with this type of profile. But yeah, this right, is, right. This is very nice. Um, yeah, I'm a yeah, big fan of that one. You get it on the nose too. Like yes. there's that sweetness there. Mm-hmm. It's o- almost like a fruit punch. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, yeah. It's it's very different. Like I, I even like our brewer friends that come in and they'll try that. Like what is this? Yeah, a little like, sublime quality very, with that uh, one. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. You know, it almost like it, it, it's it's almost like apple juice. You know, esque yeah. a little yeah, bit. Yeah. You know, this is yeah. this is nice. I like yeah, this. Is a, and and I gotta look this guy up. I'm gonna do that today. I'm gonna yeah, Google this guy. It's, it's, he's, he's crazy. I guarantee yeah. you at least two hours of entertainment. <laughs> so so this is a really sneaky one at 4.2 percent. Yes. I mean, this is one that uh, you know I could I could drink this all day. This mm-hmm. is this is this is um you <laughs> yeah and you and you'd be and you could and yeah. and this is definitely I mean I don't want to say you know difference a bad way to to describe it but this certainly you, you don't see. Many offerings like this in in um, you know in the uh, on the craft beer scene. No, so, uh, you know. No, and a lot of the beers right now are, t- nice. are tending towards sessional because it's summer. You know, sure. so we're making them lighter. This one in particular, I wanted a nice sessionable pale. Um, you know, again between 
Shantytown, Skull, and, and Zizek, um, we're trying new hops, and we're trying them with these, uh, or new ingredients like the spruce tips, and we're trying them on a pale base to see how they are. And I, I was very, very happy with the way Zizek came out. Yeah, I mean, this is, um, this is really nice. I, I think th this, everything I've had so far has been, has been really good, but, but this one has kind of um, really stood out for me just because it, it's, it's so, um, for me anyway, for, for my beer drinking experience, and I'm, I've drank a lot of fucking beer, but th <laughs> th th this, is, uh, you know, this is more so on the unique side. So this is uh, very nice. Thank, thank you, thank you. I like it. I'm a fan. <laughs> drank a, a, a few of those last night. Just a couple. Yeah, and it goes down nice and smooth. I mean, mm -hmm. it's 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 very drinkable, very sessionable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then this one here, this is um, this is the last strawberry. One. Yeah, yeah. This is strawberry Molly. And if you want more, please well, look at the color. Know, we can go for our New England IPA also if you want. Yeah. Yes. Listen, if you're twisting my Beautiful, arm. Beautiful, uh, I mean. cloudy. Yeah, that's goodness. a combination of the wit beer style because it is a Belgian wit or a Belgian white, and the strawberries, the pectin haze, is very strong in that beer. Yeah. So it's a real. Handpicked again by the, our, our, our comrade Stretch, Mike Stetson, who uh, picked these spruce tips as well. Handpicked those strawberries out at what farm? Uh, Do you remember? Cor Corwith Farms. The Corwith? Oh, yeah. wow. We did about 60 pounds. I had a total, like, I love Lucy moment, like squishing them. <laughs> yeah, and, squishing them by hand, that. not by feet. By hand, not by <laughs> feet. Yes, thank you. That's important. <laughs> yes, and it was like my, my hands actually hurt. You know, like, and I have pretty strong hands. I'm a violinist, so I, I you know. I had pretty good arm hand strength, and oh, wow. still I was I was aching. Yeah, <laughs> lots of lots of strawberry squishing. So wait, you're, you're a violinist as well. I am, yeah, not professionally, just as well, just another passion. Oh wow, that's that's <laughs> how long have you been uh, playing oh, the violin? Oh God, since I was fifteen. I started a little late actually, uh, fourteen, fourteen. Oh wow. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's awesome. It's, just, it's fun, and I, I I used to play with a couple of local symphonies. I want to get back into that now that my 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 girls are a little older. I'll have a have a little bit more free a little time. Bit more time yeah. <laughs> a little bit, you know. Yeah. And then, well, I mean, with the but brewery though, it's always well. You, you have know. a platform at the brewery. I do. That's right. Yeah, you I could do. say. Uh, I've been um, Yes. You guys, guys can, can set it all up. Why not, right? Oh, of course. Right. And actually, the, the brewery has great acoustics. So, it, um, Well, are you guys, did, did I hear this correctly? You guys are hosting uh, monthly original music and open mic yes, night series? Yes, we are, yeah. Is mm -hmm. it, and it's headlined by a female? It is. It's the Lady Beast Collective. You, you, another collective. I think subconsciously you, you've set it up. I mean, <laughs> I it's so. projected that shot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, it actually was wonderful. We kicked it off last Saturday. Um, and we're going to do the fourth Saturday of every month will be the Lady Beast Collective. So it's a collection of, uh, it's led by these two two ladies, uh, um, uh, singer-songwriter types, and they have original, beautiful original music as well. Uh, Rory Kelly is one of them. And uh, so they do, they do a couple of sets, and then they open it up to an open mic night afterwards. And let me tell you, if we didn't have the most talented brewery audience that night, my God, like each person that got up and sang or performed after was even more talented mm -hmm. than the next. We had people doing spoken word and, and other things. A, a, a great friend of mine from, from childhood came, and he's a wonderful singer, and he did, like, Losing My Religion. And oh, wow. It was so cool. And, and Rory, who, who runs it, uh, she actually has a repertoire of pieces that she's able to accompany you on guitar so she let let the list out and then people were picking songs that she could accompany them with so it was kind of like an open mic plus so you got to you know wow nice yeah it's great and then that's we had a great cool. response and we're going to keep doing it until forever that's <laughs> awesome as long as it works that's awesome yeah, that's we, awesome we try to get live music here as much as possible we're all you know big music fans so as well the, the music is that is that that's inside or it is that it depends on the weather um, yeah I mean typically like, we'll set up right in the corner by the garage door we usually have the door open especially on nice no, nice nights yep. um, and they'll set up right there or like when we do bigger events like we, we do ticketed events sometimes we, we did like a barbecue around 4th of July we'll take over the whole parking lot we'll set up under a tent like a full band you know mm. and we'll do almost like a festival type nice I was going to ask if you guys are, are available 
are allowed to kind of get oh, out there. Oh, we sure are. Awesome. And nice. we do. <laughs> Excellent. It's almost <laughs> it like our own beer festival. It's it great. It is, yeah. And all that's coming too, so yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. Thanks. And and I do I do enjoy this. This is, this is nice too. And it's interesting because when I um you know, when you're younger, you you uh, and you're first introduced to beer, you you drink a lot of um looking back, a lot of questionable brands of beer you're drinking. <laughs> Lots of shandies. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, the, what first got me, because I, I have some, 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 you know, my, I have some family that, that's uh, European, and, and what I, I first got introduced to two specific styles, and it was the, it was the German style, like the classic, um, the Hefeweizens and the, and the Pilsners and things like that. Um, uh, and then it was also the Belgium. Um, mm-hmm. And luckily in New York, I mean, we've always had access to to belgium style beers that you know so those are the ones that really really introduced me to craft to to the different flavors um and i kind of never looked back i mean when you're having kind of you know like a golden drock or something and then and then you got a bud next to you you're kind of like what let me just move (laughs) over you know i love belgians Uh, all the belgians oh yeah i I love i love belgian beers and it's um it's it's interesting to see that there there could be a beer kind of going back to the beer mill there's a beer that could be like two states over mm-hmm. and it, this is so hard to get and everyone's freaking out about it and like you can get Belgian beers basically anywhere in yeah. America and they're so good and people kind of like eh, you know yeah. They, yeah. I think it's the craze with the cans I think cans was cans great are, for cans are it right now cans yeah. were great for the craft beer scene because there's something about it you just see this nice can it's all set up so you, with, the, with the awesome artwork you just want it yeah. you know yeah. And, uh, yeah. oh they are pretty like I love a lot of the other half cans like I love just the like the simplistic minimal design like sure. I, love, I love Grimm's designs too like it's like, I mean, because you know, you kind of look at something first, and you yeah. kind of drink with your eyes, I suppose. Well, first. yeah, you know, you know, it's part of the marketing, right? I mean, yeah. you you want to make sure it's a good beer, but but beyond that, you want to make sure people are drinking it, and the labels, you know, the name of the brewery, obviously, but yeah. also what's on the label is is another, it's another way to sell it. Yeah, it is. Well, speaking it is. of labels, um, I'll show you here. We um. So we make a beer called, it's not on the board right now, but it's called uh, coffee. Uh, very much the way Long Islanders say coffee. Yes. Coffee, coffee. Coffee talk. Yes, coffee talk. Yes. Yeah, so Linda <laughs> Richmond, uh, you know, the Mike Myers sketch of SNL of the mm-hmm. 90s. So mm-hmm. we actually partnered with um, a friend of ours who's a fine artist, Teresa Christensen, and uh, she painted us. Linda for our, our first ever bottle release for coffee. Yes, let me get a picture so. of that. That's <laughs> yeah. funny. That that does look like the Mike Myers. Um, yeah, it sure does. The uh, shoulder light. pads and nails <laughs> and the, the whole nine. So yeah, but uh, and this was fun. We did when we did our first bottle release with coffee. We actually had um, this artisanal waffle truck called Liege Waffle Company. Yeah. They came in and they did like a flight of waffles paired with the coffee. So coffee and waffles. It was Co- perfect. Very fabulous. Perfect yeah. pairing. It sure was. <laughs> so, um, so now you, you guys. So you mentioned the bottle. So you guys don't do, do growler pours, but you do do like twenty two. Yes, we 22s, do. Yeah. Right? So we like during the week, like we'll we'll bottle up the freshness and we'll have it all sealed and labeled. And then when we're open on the weekend, because we're open Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, um, we'll we'll have those bottles at the ready. So and then and what's nice is I mean growlers are great don't get me wrong but with the bomber it's sealed so you can really crack it open whenever you want you know you yeah. don't have to drink it within the week or so I mean eventually we will start to do growler fills like we're probably we may introduce them on Thursdays you know because I mean I understand you want to get the freshest you want to bring it right to the barbecue you're going to the next day and that yeah. sort of thing we yeah. get that for for us it, it wasn't that we have any issue with growlers it's that. We didn't. We trying to keep up with the demand in the tasting room, and to you know, to right, do constant right. growler pours would yeah. make it different. But now that we're able, we've honed in our production. I think we're going to be opening that up soon. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. And, and and to your point, you know, the growlers, the growlers are great, but yeah. you you have to drink them pretty quickly. You I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah, you got to go. You know, 
But uh, so, and, and what do you typically d- does the uh, price of the uh, of the bottle does it depend on the beer or is it is there, are there um, more? No, I mean well, certain ones like our our, our coffee bottles, um, you know, our costs were a little bit higher because we did you know go for a nice high end label and it's a little bit more expensive to produce. So that was one of our more expensive bottles, and, and it was and we still make them accessible. So that was only twelve dollars for a twenty two ounce bottle. Typically, like our, our weekly bottles are ten dollars for a bomber. So well, it's, a, it's a it's a great price, and you get twenty two ounces. Of and beer. now, do you have um, all bottles of all twelve, or is it just some? Um, not all twelve. We usually rotate it. Like we'll have usually four to five different varieties available on mm-hmm. a weekly basis you know because we you know we tend to we'll, we'll bottle what we have more of like if we're about to run out of something we would typically won't bottle it you know but we like to change it up every week so like sure. oh like oh did you like the shanty town well that's available in bottles this oh, week nice, yeah nice, nice. so like our menu's not updated now but like right now like we have boots on the beach and, mm-hmm. and strawberry molly and zizek like that's all in bottles nice so, yeah. uh and i i noticed you Poured me two more. Yes, I did uh, pour you two so more. Very excited about that. <laughs> yes. So, w- what do we got this next? This is coercion. This is our our, our New England style double IPA. Um, and this, this is what is, I had at the start. Yes. yes, this was your yes. pregame. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> Love <laughs> pregame. Get you started right. You know, yes. with our highest ABV on the board. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we and we quadruple dry hopped this beer with a literal ton of plethora hops. of hops. Plethora. This is yeah, uh, that's one word. of our other guys. His, his brainchild. Yeah. I would have to look at the sheet to be honest. It has Pacifica though, Lemon Drop, Mandarin of Bavaria. Oh God, I forget the rest. He did it again. There's four different dry hop sessions, and as well as in the boil as well. I think there was four or six varieties using yeah. this. I had to look at the brew sheet though. I don't wow. know this one off the top of my yeah. head. We were aiming for like a nice complex hop character, you know, just to really pack a punch. Yeah. Well, it does pack a punch. Oh, it, good. It, okay. It's, yeah. it's <laughs> to make this one big. This one's taste. I, I like it. I mean, you know, this is the one I, I spoke about at the, at the start of the show. is very tasty. I I I, I like this a lot. I'm yes. a big hop kind of guy, and um, this this is tasty. Um, yeah. So I, I got to ask, I, do you guys envision at some point down the line of doing your own cans as well? Like oh, bringing absolutely. In cans? Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, like we, you know, uh, we'll probably bring in a mobile canning line to start, sure. you know, just to get that going. But I would love to have our own canning line. I think cans are definitely the future. I mean, I love I love bottles and they're very nice. And I think there's always a place for them, you know, depending on style, especially like the cork and cage. Like, I love that, you know. Yeah. Um, but cans, like you said, I mean, cans are it right now. Like, they're super, like, they, they hold the beer better. They're lighter, easier to transport. You know, you could bring them hiking with you or to the beach or you know, yeah. I love it, and our, our can game will be strong when, it's <laughs> when it happens. Awesome, awesome, yeah. and and you know the can typically provides the most protection too. It right? sure from, does, from, you know, from oxygen yes. and and the sun and all that. So exactly, and yeah. it is you know like we were talking about it. It's 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 a buzzword. It's yeah. the can. Like you the need can. to get the can. You need nice to get cans. The can. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> nice cans. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's funny. I actually did a beer trade. Um, Last week with with my dad, nice. And he's he's at because he's out. Well, it wasn't last. It was two weeks ago when Greenport Brewery they had a um, a triple can release. Yeah. And, and my dad's a total wine head, total okay. wine guy. And I'm like, you know, dad, these are good. Get them. And and I gave him some some local single cut stuff from Astoria, and he got you know uh, um, three four packs. So I'm expecting twelve beers back. I'm like, you know, try you know try one of each. Just give me the rest. So <laughs> when I finally see him. He's like, right, here's here's the rest. He, I, I had one of each left. Oh, there was three. No. <laughs> he, he polished off the nine, nine, whatever it was. I'm like, yeah, dad. but you know, it was great to see because you know, again, he, my, my, I mean, he's always liked beer, but yeah. he's always wine first, and he was even kind of surprised. He didn't expect it to be as good as it was, mm-hmm. and it was great to kind of see, you know, yeah, he, here's a wine guy, but 
totally open to these types of styles, these types of flavors, yeah. and he was it was all for it. Um, well, he's lucky to be by Greenport. I mean, they're a great larger regional independent brewery. I mean, sure the are. guy, one of the owners, is our representative for the New York State Brewers Association. Rich from there, and yeah, Rich uh, yeah, Rich Vandenberg. So we we love them. We're a big fan of them. They're they're a big inspiration for us too. They're you know, they worked really, really hard to get to where they are now, and they're putting out outstanding products. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're OG series. They're OG is yeah, ridiculous. Is good stuff, so yeah. good. Yeah. So good. And their Peconic tasting room is gorgeous. Yeah, that, yeah. One, that one's really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it certainly is. So, the, obviously, you know, you guys know I love this double IPA. Yes, so, yes. what do we have next Okay, here? so this one here, this is Sweet. Uh, dude, Sweet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sweet. Yeah, so, um, and this is another Whit beer. Um, so... But it, it's different. It has Cascade hops and um, a nice bitter orange peel in there as well. So this is like the closest thing to a Blue Moon that you'll get. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I suppose. Vorloff's closer. This one's a little hoppier. Yeah, a little yeah. hoppier. Yeah. Um, nice, nice sort of not traditional wit beer, but a nice wit beer nonetheless. Mm. Um, actually cleared a little bit sitting in, in, in the keg for a while. Yeah, that's, that, that I is. I got to flip them over and cloud it up a little bit. But it's got that nice sort of like clovey wit beerness to it. Um, I'm a fan of it. Nice. That was a, like an early spring beer we came out with. That was a nice one. We did a bunch of wits, as you can see. We got we got uh, sweet strawberry molly and Vorloff, which is a, a brewing term we hung on to from a long time ago. Another wit beer. The Vorloff's more of a traditional wit. Um, wits have always been one of my my favorite. Out of all the Belgians, I think Belgian wit beer is my favorite Belgian. Um, I don't dislike you know doubles and triples and quads, but I definitely like the wit better. The, uh, the original, or maybe not the original, but the older Who Garden recipe was one of my favorite beers, uh, despite being uh, owned by the devil. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> and they did change the recipe and when they changed the bottles, and that tastes like fucking garbage now. Yeah. So we, and, make, we make our own. And, you know, that, that's an interesting, interesting well, 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 before I get into that, I would like to say, I mean, I love the diversity that you guys have on display here. Oh, I think I think that it's, it's really nice, and I, and I certainly think this... Like people coming in here, I think especially people that that are trying to get introduced to the scene. I mean, this is perfect. I mean, you literally have so many different styles, so many different flavors to introduce these people with. And, and I think you know that wine demographic is an interesting demographic for craft beer because mm-hmm. you know yeah, you have a lot of people. I mean, wine has always been popular, but you have a lot of people that are just into to drinking wine, and and they if they're wine first, they may not realize that as complex as the wine gets, beer can can be just as complex. Sure. And I think it, when you have all these different flavors and styles, I think that really helps helps that along, um, which oh, is which which is awesome. Yeah. Well, people yeah. come in sometimes and they're looking at the board and they're looking at the board for like a few minutes and they're like, you know. I think I'll taste them all. <laughs> you know, so we line them up. It's like, Not here you bad. go. <laughs> Not bad. I mean, look, that, that's great. Yeah. And <laughs> at the end of the day, even even if they only come away with like two or three or, or even one or two styles that they like, I mean, that, that's, that's a victory for craft beer totally. because that's something they didn't know existed. Oh, 100%. And now they, they're like, wait a minute, this is craft beer is, is a little bit different than what I thought. There's more to it. Yes. And, and it just kind of expands it and, you know. And, it's like telephone. A friend tells a friend tells <laughs> a friend, right. and that's sure. kind of how sure. the craft that's, beer that's scene grows. Our greatest compliment is when someone comes in, they totally dig the beer, and then the next time they come, they come with their friends, and they're like, "You have to try this beer." In fact, you have to try them all. You know, like I, yeah. I love that. Like that is, that's our that's the greatest compliment that you can give to us. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's good. Well, and it's you know absolutely. a lot of people like you said before, uh, craft beer sort of becomes synonymous with IPA, and yeah. you know people, some some people they come in they go, "Oh, where's all your IPAs?" But most of them don't and a lot of them do say oh it's nice to see a board that's just not full of you know ipas <laughs> you have some different styles going on here well you know it, it's it's interesting and, and we we touched on this a little bit on the last show too like i i know so so for example on on my, my wife she is 
a really big family. My family, my immediate family on my parents' side, fairly small. But um, my wife has, has, she comes from a big family. And, um, you know, none of them are really into craft beer. And, and their interpretation was, okay, so craft beer is IPAs. But they're not, they're not bitter beer drinkers. So mm-hmm. I would bring over these heavy double IPAs. They're right. like, yeah, yeah, let me try something. And they try this. They're like, ah. This is <laughs> and they turn and off by it. And it's turn off. And it's interesting because especially for someone who's new to the scene, I think like an IPA or a double IPA can be a complete turn off for sure. people. It's just if you don't too, like bitterness, sure. It's like an, yeah, if you don't like bitterness, it's like an assault on the palate. Oh, absolutely. So then I started introducing wit beers and saisons and the like. Oh, so so there, there's <laughs> yeah. more than there's just being bitter. There's thing. more to this. That's right. So, um, yeah, no, it's it, 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 it's interesting to see, um, and it just goes back to my point. I, I think there's there's a beer, you know, a beer for everyone out there. Definitely. Doesn't matter sure who definitely. you are, where you are, what you drink. There's a beer for you out there. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. The market day, sometimes yeah. decides the trends, and even even before the current wave of craft beer, there was, you know, craft beer has always sort of been synonymous with hot bombs, even mm-hmm. if people weren't as familiar with the uh, the now you know the now everywhere term of IPA. They just sort of. It, Equated beer, craft beer with, with hoppiness. Sure, sure. E- even to the point where now they say that we have session IPAs, but a session IPA is really kind of a pale ale, you know, and right, that, right. that term's kind of right. gone away because because of its marketing, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, you, you know what? At the end of the day, I, I like to view things from a positive perspective. So even when, when craft brewers are going out and they're trying to sell their beers and if they have to have an IPA on there just to lead with it for the person to be like, yeah, IPA, I'll definitely take that. By the way, what else do you have? You yeah. know, then that that's a good thing. Yeah, sure. it's fine. <laughs> sure. As long as it's Definitely. a gateway to try it. As long as it's a gateway, yeah. and, and and I am a, a, a very big hophead. I do love my IPAs. Oh, um, well, it's a delicious style. Don't get me are. wrong. I think I spent the better part of a year drinking all the West Coast IPAs I could get my hands on, like five years ago or <laughs> so. Like it was all about like Pliny and and, and all oh, that. Yeah. But uh, but there's yeah. more. There's more to the beer game. So much. Yeah. So much more. I, I mean, it's a like it's a little drop. For the first time, my God, that was it was like a. I had a body experience. Yes. <laughs> like, what's, what's going on here? What, yeah. what is this? You know. So, the last of the lineup here. What do yeah, we have here? Yeah, we'll finish the uh, trifecta of wit beer. So this is this is Vorlauf. Um, yeah. So, so five and a half percent Belgian yeah. wit beer with coriander and rose hips. So tell yeah. me about that. So yeah. what made you guys think about rose hips? That was shit. I think that was back to the homebrew. It was definitely back to the homebrew days. Um, I think I was just in the homebrew store and I'm like, what the hell are rose hips? And I, I either researched it first. They're they're cousins to apples, so it's actually the little fruit on a, from a rose. They oh have wow. these little, right. tiny little mini apples, I guess, kind of. So it, it gives a nice sort of very light apple flavor. So paired with the, the coriander and the wit base, it's a, sort of a nice uh, undertone of flavor there. And that's an old homebrew recipe. We and that's a favorite. That's, um, we've had that one for, for years, been honing that one. And yeah, that's an nice. old one. And those are, uh, Vorlauf is a brewing term. It's the, I, I believe in German it means first or like the first, something like that. It's, it's when you're mashing, you... You Vorlauf it, and you run the grains uh, back into itself to form a filter bed. A couple of our guys, we, we, you know, we drink a lot of beer when we do this stuff, so it was just a funny word. Right. We sort of hung on to it. Right. Well, people would always ask us, like, who's Vorlauf? We're like, oh, we can't tell you. <laughs> I just but tell like people <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> it's Mikey's uncle from the old country, shit yeah. like that, you know? Like <laughs> well, we, made, like, we, have a, we always try to make, like, a fun tap box for different events. So we have this one that's a coffin, and we have this painting of this guy on it. And we're like, oh, that's Vorlauf right there. That's it's it. an old Rembrandt <laughs> copy. Yeah, it's an old Rembrandt That's copy. funny. Yeah, and this is this another, this is another one that's interesting because you, you don't come across that many beers with rose hips, and, and there's there's a kind of um, the aftertaste. There, there's kind of a unique um, of flavoring. It's kind of it, it's it's another one where it's kind of a little, little hard for me to really describe it, but it, it, it's it's um, it's interesting. It's inter- I, I mean, I love. I mean, how many places do you come 
too that used you know yet yet why itty hops spruce tips <laughs> cardinal hops I mean, i'm just reading off the board rose hips yes. i mean you guys are really kind of um i i love breweries like this i love what you guys are doing because you guys are really i mean craft brews in general they push the boundary but you guys are really incorporating stuff that um you know what i think th that's what makes it so much fun it's kind of like well what would work you know let's try this let's try that it's like cooking <laughs> and yeah it's like cooking yeah. and and if it works it goes up on the board and, yeah, and, exactly. and people get to enjoy it and if it doesn't we're like oh well you know so you try to try another one yeah, <laughs> yeah. drinking right. at home but but right. this one too yeah the, um again i i would have to i would have to stop and really be hard pressed and think the last time i had a beer with rose hips sure. mm -hmm. in it uh sure. to be honest and um Strange little ingredient. It's a, it, it's a strange little little ingredient, but I have to say it's 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 there's a delightful quality to it. It's mm -hmm. certainly very drinkable. Yeah. Um, and um, again, you know, um, you know, di difference not not a good way to describe it, but but it, it's it's certainly um, not something the the average beer drinker would be accustomed to. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a, uh, an ex a different type of flavor experience. Sure. And sure. I do like this. I try to make them drinkable. You know, it's it's uh, we've made a lot of. Uh, especially in homebrew days, or and even here in, in uh, tests or pilot batches, you make brewed ales or herbal beers or beers with strange ingredients, and you know, I mean you follow your sanitation processes and you make sure you don't you know screw up the brewing process, and it comes out good. But sometimes the flavors are a little wacky, or then may not, you know it's not necessarily palatable. So I, I made I made a, a a recreation of a of a Bronze Age Irish gruet ale out of yarrow, elderflower, and juniper berries a long time ago. Oh wow! And it was it was it was. Uh, very different. <laughs> it was good though. I mean, it wasn't sure. bad, but it was like uh, it was kind of like chewing on a on a tree or a bush, you know, with <laughs> beer under. I mean, it was right. again, it was supposed to be a recreation of what they think they were doing in Ireland in like the year 400 or so. But it was, uh, you know, like that's not something I would put on the ta on the tap list here. You mm -hmm. know, it's using something like rose hips or using something like spruce tips. It's a little. It, it, you're, you're sort of dipping into that world, but you're not going like like full retard with it and, and coming up sure. with something that's, sure. just, yeah, that's yeah. just totally off the wall. Right, and, and there's a balance too, right? Because you have certain styles and they may be unique, but it's like people may want to drink them and then it's like, okay, well, will they continue to drink well, them? Right, and we'll have them on to try it. And, right, and right. I mean, the craft consumer is fickle to begin with. You yes. Don't wanna, if you, yeah. like, you, know, you don't want to totally scare them up. But uh, no, I mean, this, was, this was great, guys. Do you, um, you want to just give us, uh, again, you know, do you guys have any upcoming events coming yeah, up? Yeah, we do, actually. Let we us know. We have a few things, definitely. Um, so, yeah, so on our, we'll update this on all of our social media channels. Our website, again, is thebrewerscollective.com, mm -hmm. and we're on Instagram at the Brewers Collective, and on Facebook, just the Brewers Collective. Longest name ever, longest email ever. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, like we said, like, like a... Um, our biggest event coming, biggest events coming up for August is we're doing Bayshore's Alive at the Bay. So basically, they shut down all of Main Street in Bayshore, and there's food vendors, craft beer vendors, um, regular you know milkshakes, food trucks, entertainment, live music. It's if if you've ever been to Patrick's Alive at after five, it's similar. Mm -hmm. It's the same. I think it's like the same creators. We had uh, we had we had our first one a couple of weeks ago. Three thousand people showed up. It was wow. insane. It's a great party. It's a great night, and that's uh, that starts on Wednesday. Uh, August 9th at uh, 5 p.m. and then there'll be actually there'll be two of them and there'll be another one on Wednesday, whoever the Wednesday is two weeks from that, I think it's the 26th. Um, that'll be the second one and then um, on the 11th of August we're gonna do a DJ night. Uh, we do Tim's also does uh, DJing as well. Um, so it's a lot of heavy nice. bass, you know, UK dubstep, uh, different styles. We'll have like four cool. or five different DJs. Sound, system, yeah, Sound systems. Yeah, we have a, a, a sick PA with. Really, really great bass. Uh, bass. So it's like a, we call it like bass and beer. 
and we'll, we'll do those pretty often, but the next one's coming up on the 11th. Um, the next day, on the Saturday, the 12th, is the Long Island Craft Classic at Hexer right. State Park in East Islip. It's a big, big deal. Yeah, that's a very big deal. It's put on by Starfish Junction. There'll be over, I think, over 100 different breweries there. And uh, Shout out to Scotty. Yeah, that's right. Shout that's out to right. Scotty. And uh, it does a great job. And um, it's really one of the premier beer festivals on the island. Mm -hmm. um, we've been a part of that festival for years. Um, and actually, on, and on the, the 19th, we're doing a bar and beer class. Bar being the exercise type. It's like almost like a ballet type of thing. You know, a lot of, We do a lot of the beer and yoga events as well. We work with uh, the Beer Fit Club, Sophia. Um, but uh, now we're, awesome. we're doing that as well. Always something different going Always on. Always something different. No. But yeah, but we're constantly updating. We'll, we'll put our schedule out. We have a lot of beer festivals coming up in the fall. That's festival time. And uh, yeah, and then we're, we're, we're open on Thursdays from 5 to 8, Fridays from 5 to 10, and on Saturdays from 3 to 9. Awesome, awesome. And yeah. again, you guys are on uh, 1416 North Clinton Avenue, yep. Bayshore, New York, yep. 11706, Unit C. Yep. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much oh for God, allowing so Beer much. Today, Beer Tomorrow to come here and drink all of your delicious beers. Our pleasure. You're and welcome, Pete. Thank you. This is great. No, thank you guys so much. And guys, if you're listening out there, if you're in Bayshore or uh, you feel inclined to make a trip, come out to Bayshore and definitely give the Brewers Collective a, um, a visit. And uh, yeah, check them out. Uh, that the website one more time is? Yeah, uh, thebrewerscollective.com. And on, on Instagram, you guys are the Brewers a Collective. At Brewers Collective, yeah. Excellent. Guys, check them out. And uh, we'll be back with another dose of dopeness for you in a couple of weeks. Cheers. 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 Hey guys, you've been listening to podcast episode 25, a special extended edition of the show featuring Tim and Sarah of the Brewers Collective. Definitely was a good time drinking some good beers. If you guys have yet to do so, please go out and pay a visit to the Brewers Collective out in Bayshore, New York. They are doing interesting things with beer, and uh, they have 12 rotating taps that um, you will be sure to enjoy. So uh, do indeed check them out. You know, Check out their website, visit them on their uh, social media channels and show them some love. They're doing some good things. Um, next week, we're dropping another episode, this one featuring Beer Fit Club and Great South Bay Brewery. It's going to be a good show, so please do check it out. Rachel is co-hosting her first episode uh, with me on that one. Excited about dropping uh, dropping that show, coming at you soon. Uh, please you know, visit our website, www.beertodaybeertomorrow.com to stay up to date with all of our blogs, podcasts, and events. You can also catch our podcasts on iTunes and Podbean, as well as, uh, of course, uh, the website, as I just mentioned. And uh, please continue to support us. You know, We appreciate all the love. Um, you know, we love hearing from you. Let us know what you guys think about the shows. Let us know if you have breweries that you want us to cover, if you have beers you want us to write about, uh, or if you want to just say what's up, say hello. Um, you want to just talk beer, hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, follow us on our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Beer Today, Beer Tomorrow. Uh, and what else can we say other than drink local, drink fresh, repeat. Cheers.